0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Open your Bible, we'll be in Luke chapter 13, we'll start there. We're talking about healing covenant. And we began uh, the first week talking from Matthew chapter 15, specifically verse 26, where we found that healing is the children's bread. (laughs) Healing belongs to you as a child of God. In fact, I believe that the same blood that bought our forgiveness bought our healing. And I believe as believers we have just as much right to be healed in our body as we do to be forgiven for our sins because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Amen? And the Scripture bears that out over and over again. In fact, when you study the Scripture, you can see healing and forgiveness tied together many different places in the Scripture. An example is Psalm 103 verse 3 that says he forgives all of our sin and he heals all of our diseases. Another example is James chapter 5 where James says, if there's any sick for you, among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Along with Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17, which shows the death of Jesus on the cross. Amen? So that's easy for me to see in the Scripture. The second thing that we studied, and we began in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45, there was a leper that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I know that you can heal me if you will. So faith begins where the will of God is known. And I talked about four reasons from the scripture that we can know the will of God in the realm of divine healing. Number one, because it's the nature of God. God said in Exodus 15 verse 26, I am the Lord who heals you. He said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord and I change not. Number two, we can know because of the promises of God. I just gave you some of those. But thank God for the promises of God. Promises for health and healing, just like promises for forgiveness of sin. The number three reason we can know that healing is the will of God is because of the life of Jesus. Fourteen times it says in the New Testament that they brought unto him all who were sick and he healed them, everyone. And he healed them of every kind of disease. Jesus shows us the Father. John 1.18 says, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is from the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He has openly made him known. And the fourth reason we can know, again, is because of the cross. Because Jesus paid for our healing at the same time that he paid for our forgiveness. Amen? Today, we're going to talk again that healing is part of God's covenant. So I want to begin here in Luke chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse 10. We will read through verse 17, and then we'll go back and comment on these scriptures. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years, and she was bowed together and could in no way lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said to the people, There are six days in which men should work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite, don't each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his donkey and his cow from the stall and lead them away to watering. And should not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. I want to focus on a minute, for a minute on verse 16 before we go back to verse 10. This woman, Jesus said, is a daughter of Abraham. In other words, Jesus said, She has a covenant right to be healed as a daughter of Abraham. If you study Galatians chapter 3, and we'll look at it later, if we get there, we as born-again believers are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus. And we have, just like this woman, a covenant right to be healed. He said, this woman who is a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound. Satan is the author of sickness. The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I love something Lester Sumrall said. He said, I hate sickness like I hate sin because it comes from the same place. And I will agree with him 100%. In fact, I'll I'll add something to it. I hate poverty like I hate sin because it comes from the same place. Sickness, poverty, and sin are all part of the curse. And they're all part of the devil's business. And I hate the devil and his works. Amen. This woman whom Satan is bound, Jesus said, she ought to come and be loosed on the Sabbath day day. Hallelujah. On the Sabbath, Jesus said, I don't want her to be sick for one more day. You know, the Bible actually says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, today, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Now, when we study salvation, the Greek word soteria, it includes forgiveness, healing, provision, Protection and peace. It's all part of God's covenant, and it was all provided in Christ on the cross when he died and rose again. Amen. Praise God. It's an inclusive word. You study Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, and 25. Salvation is talking about wholeness, well being, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Praise God. So, Healing is a covenant right. Satan is the author of sickness, and God wants you to receive healing just like he wants you to receive forgiveness. Now let's go back to verse 10. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day, what was Jesus teaching? The scripture says that he preached the word or he taught the word. He was teaching them the word of God. And why were people coming to listen to Jesus teach? It says in both Luke chapter 5 verse 15 and Luke chapter 6 verse 17 that they came together to, be, to hear him and to be healed by him of their diseases. We just got done with our women's conference. One of the people that came uh, comes from another church. And she came last year. In fact, her friend is from this church who invited her. And she had been diagnosed with a very aggressive breast cancer. Her friend brought her last year introduced her to me and said she is going to be healed in this conference. And she came last year and received prayer and she just recently received the report that she is cancer free. Her friend brought her. Her friend announced To me, I have brought her and she is going to be healed. We heard from a number of other people that came last year. One woman who I see here all the time, she said, Women's Conference last year is the first time I came and I've come nearly every Sunday since then and my little five-year-old boy has been healed. Praise God. The word is working. Amen. Another woman comes came to me, and she just was shaking her head like this. She's sitting back here right now. And she said, I had arthritis and all this stuff, and it caused all these problems. And I came, and I had you pray for me. And I had you pray a second time. And the second time you prayed for me, she said, God, zap me. (laughs) And Jesus, healed me. She's back there rejoicing. I had her get up and testify. So... A lot of times we don't see these testimonies. A lot of times we wonder, God, are we doing the right thing? Being so bold preaching the covenant? Being so bold preaching healing and provision? Being so bold preaching conservative politically? (laughs) I had a guy come Monday and he came to tell me a testimony. He's actually been here in the church for two years. But the third Sunday that he came, and he came to testify Monday. He's been here for two. The third Sunday that he came, God healed him of cancer. Hallelujah. And he came and gave me this testimony. I actually was in a meeting with Nate and Kevin. They helped me with tech and TV. And when I came out, Tanya had been talking to him maybe five minutes. And she was just weeping. She said, this guy has an amazing testimony. So I hadn't even heard it yet. And I told Kevin, go get the cameras ready. We'll be back in an hour and 10 minutes after lunch and we'll record his testimony. And he told me, he said, I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic. He said, I, I got married in the Catholic church, had a Catholic family and my wife left me with kids. and I was kind of burnt out on religion. And, but I got cancer and I was diagnosed with cancer and God had restored another, my, my family and gave me, restored a wife to me, and, and my second wife started watching the church. They, they live in North Castle Rock. They drive 40 minutes, nearly every week to be here. And he said, he said, "I told my wife, she's like, "We need to go to this church." And he said, "I drive." For my work, I drive 60,000 miles a year. I don't want to drive 40 minutes to church. Can't you find something down the street? And she said, you come listen. So he started watching online. He watched a few and he said, we need to go there. They tell the truth. (laughs) The third week he came. He said the first week and the second week, his wife asked him, do you want to go forward? No. The third week, he said, let's go. (laughs) And they came up. Tanya prayed for his wife. Danny, her husband, prayed for him. He said, Danny reached his hands around me, said, listen, I'm a cancer survivor, and you're going to have a report of victory, just like me. And he said, he just loved me. I could just feel the presence of God. And then he said, he laid his hands on my ear. He had been told that he had cancer in his ear and they'd done surgery, but they said, you still have cancer in there. We're going to have to do surgery again. And so he laid his hands on me and spoke in tongues on my ear. Shortly after that, he went in for surgery two years ago. His surgeon was unbeliever. He kept telling his surgeon his faith. But his surgeon went in, took part of his ear out, took six lymph nodes out on the side of his face. Up at Ann's, one of the top cancer surgeons in the nation. After the surgery, a week, the surgeon called him. And the surgeon said this, a strong unbeliever. He said, I called you because if this was me, I couldn't have a better report. And I called you to tell you that you do not have cancer. And this is a miracle. That's pretty good when an unbelieving surgeon says this is a miracle. Amen? Amen. You know, we have lots of miracles. I don't think we even know, maybe a tenth of them. If you look at the ten lepers, only one came back to tell Jesus thanks. Mm-hmm. Kathy Duplantis was preaching here. She said, Jesus, there are 37 recorded miracles in the Gospels in the life of Jesus. Now, John said he did so many if they tried to write them in a book or in books, the world itself couldn't contain them. However, 37 are recorded. So Jesus was actually in the ministry about three years, about 36 months. About one a month is recorded. Now, I had a vision of the glory of God on October 2nd, two thousand. 14, and Jesus talked to me. And I am sure, now I had miracles before that, but I'm sure since October of 2014, I've had at least one miracle a month. But the Bible says, those who believe will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now what if every one of you in this room went out and prayed for the sick. And what if every one of you in this room had at least one miracle a month? We would soon have so many people in this place that we could not contain them. And I believe that's a possibility. Amen? Hallelujah when we understand the covenant. Praise God, but Jesus was teaching. Now, Jesus was teaching, and what He was teaching, it says, in Luke 5.15, Luke 6.17, that they came to hear Him and to be healed by Him of their diseases. So they came for that purpose. They came by faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Now then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The literal Greek says something like this. Now then, faith comes by declaration and declaration by the mouth of God. When we declare who God says that he is, then that will build faith in the hearts of those who receive the word of God. Now, I did a teaching one time years ago on every healing miracle of Jesus in the Gospels. And when I went through it, I saw the evidence of faith in at least 97% of the healing miracles of Jesus that I could see. Now, I've spoken with Andrew Womack, who's one of the strongest teachers in the world on the subject of divine healing. And Andrew Womack says that there is evidence of faith in every person who receives divine healing. You see, it's provided by grace, but it must be received by faith. So he was teaching they were coming by faith to hear him and to be healed. In verse 11, it says there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no way lift herself up. Now here's another question. Why isn't everyone healed? It's a good question. I think in this scripture, we might have just a little bit and we'll go to another place. But I think one of the primary reasons that people are not healed is because of unbelief. If it's all just about grace and faith, we'd get everything. But unbelief is the enemy of your faith. Now, Gordon Lindsay, he was one of the leaders in the voice of healing, wrote a book on 29 reasons that people may not be healed. I've never read it, but it's probably a good book. Right? And I will tell you, even the best people who teach healing do not always know why someone in a certain instance, may not be healed. I can tell you in certain places, certain people that I'm very close to sometimes, why they may not have been healed. Because I've seen certain things in my own family, so on and so forth. However, years ago, Don Crow, who's one of my very good friends, had a wife named Wendy. Wendy's a very good friend of ours. They came to our church. Wendy died, and Andrew Womack preached the funeral at the Bible school, and the Bible school was on Elkton Drive. Our church was there also. And um, Andrew made this statement, and I believe he's one of the strongest people with the message of healing in the entire body of Christ today. He said at that funeral, I don't want anybody saying that you know why this happened because I don't and you don't. And I would agree with that. So we may not always know, but sometimes it could be unbelief. And in Mark chapter 9, we have an example of a man who brought his epileptic son to Jesus to be healed. First, he brought him to the disciples and they could not heal him. So then he brought him to Jesus. Let's go to Mark 9 really quick. I'm just going to show you a few verses. And when he came to Jesus, he said in verse 17, Master, I have brought unto you my son who has a dumb spirit. And wherever he takes him, he tears him and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away and I spoke to your disciples that they could not cast him out, that they could cast him out and they could not. And so in verse 20, it says, they brought this young man unto Jesus and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit because my dad had epilepsy. And as a child, my dad would have seizures on occasion and he would fall and foam at the mouth and roll and it would really upset people who did not have you know, an understanding of the situation. One reason that Andrew Womack's message really appealed to me as a 14-year-old young man raised in a traditional church that did not teach a strong message on divine healing. In fact, they had very little to say about it was because when I first heard the full gospel preached with power, it gave me hope. And when I first heard the full gospel preached, the first time I heard it, something went off in my spirit and I said, thank God I don't have to be sick and poor and defeated by the devil I can believe God and I can live in victory. It just just was so real to me. That was in Andrew Womack's ministry in 1978 in a Bible study when almost nobody knew who Andrew Womack was. And shortly after that, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in that Bible study, I knew immediately that I was going to spend my life preaching this gospel. Then, not too long after that, I heard of a man named Lester Sumra. And I just love Lester Sumra because he not only talked about healing the sick, he talked about casting out devils. And I not only believe in healing the sick, I believe in casting out devils in the name of Jesus. In fact, I used to watch Lister Summer on PTL Network, and it just thrilled me. My granddad'd say, why do you like that old frog? He's just so monitored. I said, Grandpa, listen to what he said. Glory to God, it just, the gospel of power excites. Not this washed out, dead, seeker sensitive mess of a thing. My dad would have seizures, but when I first heard the gospel and I was 14, I thought, thank God there's hope thank God we don't have to live like this. We don't have to live sick and poor. My dad had to work for his parents because he couldn't work a secular job because of this disease. And I want to answer some questions right now. When my dad was 17 years, or when I was 17 years old, my dad was 40. On a Friday morning, God woke me up. I was a senior in high school. It was in September. And God spoke to me and said, stay home and be with your dad today. And I spent the entire day with my dad, and we had a tremendous day together. That evening, my dad went to haul water to my cows. My mom went to cook supper in our trailer. My dad told me, finish up this irrigating water. When the sun goes down, go shut off the head gate. We'll meet for dinner. My dad didn't come home. So Mom and I ate, and then we called the neighbors. He wasn't there, so we drove up the road. And my dad had a seizure. And my dad was sitting on this tractor. He, he, the, the throttle was still pulled clear over. He got it stopped. He got it out of gear. And he was sitting there in perfect peace. And Mama said, Austin, shall we raise him from the dead? I said, Mama, Daddy has went home to be with Jesus. And we're going to live for Jesus. And I haven't lived perfectly, but listen to me. For the last 50, 50, 45 years. Amen. I've pretty much lived for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, people say if you have a demon, then you, you, you're not saved because the demon and Jesus can't dwell in the same place. That's talking about your spirit. I have all the confidence in my spirit that my dad is in heaven with Jesus. Because his spirit was saved. However, this attack was an attack on his physical body and his soul. And even though he had this physical attack on his body, and so his spirit was born of God. In fact, I can tell you that day he told me, listen, Lawson, the last two years of my life have been the best. Your mother and I's marriage has been the best it's ever been. And a lot of it's because of the hard work that you've done. Thank you. My dad didn't hand out thank yous. It meant a lot to me. That's probably one reason the Holy Spirit woke me up that day and told me to be with my dad. But unbelief comes from about three different things. The first one is when you have symptoms that are contrary with what the Scripture says about you. And that's why divine healing sometimes may be harder to receive, especially if you're like this woman in Luke 13. She had been... In symptom, right? She'd been sick for 18 years with this spirit of infirmity, and she was dealing with that for a long time. And that could cause unbelief. When when this man came to Jesus, what happened? This devil acted up, right? And and threw a fit. He knew his time was short. And then they brought him to Jesus. And, and this man said to Jesus, Lord, if you can do anything, in verse 22, have compassion on us and help us. If you, and Jesus responded, you know, a lot of people saying, Jesus, if you could do anything. Now, most people say, Lord, I know you can if you will. But this man saying, if you can, please do something. Jesus Jesus turns it back. A lot of people trying to put the responsibility on God and God puts it right back on them. And he says, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes and he cries out, Lord, I believe in verse 24, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said to him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you come out of him. And enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and ran him sore and came out of him. And he looked like he was dead. And, and the, many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately. Saying, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth By nothing except by prayer and fasting. He wasn't talking about that kind of devil. Jesus was talking about unbelief. And what does prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting doesn't change the devil. Prayer and fasting changes you. And if you're having a hard time hearing God, you might need to pray and fast a little bit too and get your flesh under control so you can hear God better. Because the devil, he don't change. He's always bad. And God, he doesn't change. He's always good. But if anybody needs a change... It's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You know, when somebody repents, they ain't blaming everybody else for the mess they're in. They start saying, Jesus, deal with me. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. That's a good message, by the way. But unbelief comes from three things. Number one, circumstances that are contrary with what God promised you. Number two, a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's like the church I grew up in. They didn't teach us what the Word of God said. But not only lack of knowledge, also wrong teaching, religion. Jesus, when he healed this woman, got on religion. And I'm telling you, I don't like religion. Religion won't save you. Religion won't heal you. Religion won't free you. Religion won't bless you. But God wants to save you, heal you, free you, and bless you. And if you'll believe the gospel, the gospel's not about religion. The gospel's not about a bunch of rules just like those religious leaders we're talking about. The gospel's about a relationship with God through Jesus. <laughs> religion won't free you, but Jesus will. So three causes, at least three causes of unbelief. Symptoms contrary to what the word promises, right? Lack of knowledge and... Wrong teaching. Some of the hardest people to reach are people that have been taught wrong. Jesus told the Pharisees, you take these people and make them twice the child of hell that they already were. Man, that's rough. In fact, you think we're bold? I'll read to you in a minute from Jesus' message to the Pharisees. Whew. Jesus laid it out there. Now, in verse 12, in verse 13, Luke chapter 13, when Jesus saw this woman, he called to her, called her to him and said unto her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her. Immediately, she was made straight and glorified to God. Now, Jesus healed people in at least seven different ways in the gospel. And this is two of them. And this is, this is, he used primarily the spoken word and the laying on of hand. However, he healed people other ways too. And listen, I'm for all of them. I don't care what your favorite way is. Amen. Just get people healed. Glory to God. Some he spit on them. Now, it wasn't because his spit was anointed. They spit on Jesus when he was on the cross. They spit on Jesus when he was being tried. They spit on, it was a type of a curse. And when Jesus spit on the deaf man and touched his ear, and when he spit on the, on the dumb man and touched his tongue, and when he spit on the blind he, and, and made mud, that's a lot of spit, and he stuck it on the blind man's eyes and said, you go wash. And he came again seeing. He was actually cursing the sickness. The sickness is a curse. And he cursed the sickness. Hallelujah. That's what he was doing. Sickness is a curse. Don't ever think it is. That's what it is. It's not a blessing. It didn't come from God. God can't. It's not what he gives. But he spoke the word and laid it. Now I want you to see here in verse 12. It says he saw her and he called for her. Did you know that God has called everyone into salvation? And God called everyone into salvation at the cross. Jesus said in John 12, 32, and he was talking about the cross. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. What it really means is I will take all judgment to myself. Jesus took the judgment for everyone, every person when he died on the cross. And because he took it, we don't have to take it. Now, can I show you something that took me over 30 years to learn? Now, in Romans 8, it says this. It says, those... Who he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. That's talking about God's plan for humanity from eternity past to eternity forward. And what it's saying is those he predestined. If you study predestination, you cannot find a place that anyone is predestined to damnation. Only to salvation. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, God knew us before the foundation of the world and he saved us and he called us with a holy calling. That's pretty amazing. Those he predestined, he predestined. God has a good plan for everybody that's ever been born on this planet. Those he predestined, he called. He called everyone at the cross into salvation. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men, I will take all judgment to myself. Now, if you study this out, Jesus actually says in John 3 verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Now what happened if you study this out in Numbers 21 and verse 8? There was a plague that was going on. And whenever anybody, God told, Moses said, God, what do I do? He said, take a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and it will come to pass that whoever looks at it shall live. They'll be forgiven and they'll be healed. And when Moses did it, that's what happened. There was forgiveness and there was healing at the cross. In fact, The sign for medical healing is a serpent on a pole. It comes out of John 3, 14 and Numbers chapter 21. And I am not against the medical profession. In fact, my doctor was here in the first service. He's an ORU graduate. He is filled with the Holy Ghost. He loves Jesus. And in his office, he has a sign that says Jehovah Rapha in Hebrew. The Lord is my healer. I'm not against the medical profession at all. We're working on the same side. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But you see there is salvation and healing. You see there's another place that's tied together. And, and you look at this, those he called, he justified. Now, when were you justified? Romans 8. Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Romans 5, 9 says, being now justified by His blood. Right? So you're justified when you believe on Jesus. God's plan from eternity past, those He predestined. He predestined everyone to be saved. God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. 1 Timothy 2, about verse 4 through 6 God will have everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That is God's will. Those he predestined, he called. He called at the cross. If I be lifted up, I'll take, I'll draw all men to myself. He took all judgment to himself at the cross. Those he called, he justified. How do you get in the deal? You got to believe it to receive it. That's why it's so important that we teach you what the Word of God says, not only about forgiveness, but about healing, so you can receive what God promised you. And those He justified, He glorified. Eternity future. The dead in Christ shall rise first and those (laughs) who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So shall we ever be with the Lord because flesh and blood can't inherit that kingdom. You got to get a glorified body so you can live forever in the presence of Jesus. That's God's plan for you. Isn't that good? All right, now let's look at this. That's extra, okay? Jesus ministers the healing power of God to this woman, and he does it by the spoken word. But see, not only did God see her and Christ saw her, God sees you. There's some of you in here today that need to surrender your life to the dominion and the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ there's some of you today, maybe you've played the church game, you played the religious religion game, but you haven't ever really come to know Jesus intimately and personally. And God's calling you out of that, and God's calling you to a personal relationship with him. God sees you and knows who you are, and you know who you are. And I listen, if you knew how good it was when you surrender to Jesus, you would surrender everything to him. Some of you have been fighting God on simple decisions. You think it's just you. You're fighting God. And if you knew how good it was, you would give up and give it to Jesus and let him have that situation. You're being stubborn. You're being stubborn because of your stinking thinking. And God has so much for you. He has it so much better for you. But if you would let go of it and give it to God, then it would be so much better. If you knew how good it was to surrender, you'd do it. If you knew how good it was to obey Jesus, you would do it. He sees you. He knows you. Verse 14. And verse 15. Religion is ridiculous. Jesus, this ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, with pride. Only by pride comes contention. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. You're angry with somebody, you're proud He said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and in them come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrite. Don't eat one of you on the Sabbath. loose his cow and his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering. Religion is ridiculous. Religion is not relationship. Religion is all about the rules. The rules won't get it done. You couldn't keep the rules before Christ came, and you can't keep the rules since Christ came. Only Jesus kept the rules, so give up and believe. Like I said, if you think we, listen to this, Jesus, and read sometime Matthew 23, the whole chapter on your own. You think we're tough on religion? Jesus, listen to this. I'm just going to read eight verses, verse 23 to verse 30. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. You have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have, have done, and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides, you strain it in that and swallow a camel. One, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they're full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that they may be clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like the whitewashed tombs, which endear. They, they, they appear beautiful outward, but on the inside they're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and rebellion. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of prophets and garnish the sepulchres, the tombs of the righteous. And you say if we had been there in the day of fathers, our fathers, we wouldn't have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And Jesus said, you surely will. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 1 through 4. Judge not that you be not judged. The same judgment you judge, you're going to be judged in whatever measure you meet. It will be measured again. Why do you behold the splinter that's in your brother's eye and don't consider the log in your own? How will you say see, say to your brother, let me pull out the splinter in your eye when you got a log in your own? What's Jesus? He's saying, get over your bad self. (laughs) Let it go. My goodness. Let it go. Jesus is upset with religion. Like I said, read Matthew 23 on your own. Read the whole thing. Think we're tough? Man, Jesus was much. Now, healing is a covenant right. Verse 16, Luke 13, 16. Shouldn't this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years be loosed on the Sabbath day? She's a daughter of Abraham. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being a curse for us, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We go on down to verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed, singular, were the promises made. He doesn't say, and to seeds as of many, but as to one, and to thy seed who is Christ. Christ. We are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. He says then in verse 26 to 29, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ. You know why you get all the stuff? You get all the stuff because you're God's kids. It isn't because Pastor Lawson been a good boy. It's because you're God's kid. And he loved to bless his children. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ, it's not about religion or it's not about, you know, your nationality. It's not about being Jew or Greek. It's not about being bond, an employer, or free and employer. It's not about how much money you have or don't. There is neither male nor female. It's not about gender. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When Jesus did this, if we go back to Luke chapter 13, In verse 17, it says, when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for the glorious thing that were done by him. You know what? Religion wept. But the common people rejoiced when Jesus shared the good news of God's saving and healing power. Amen? And today, did you know what? Religion may weep, but the common people will rejoice when you share the true gospel of Jesus. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.